0: Never walk between us By the you, came, you broke them down You broke them down Dios
1: Well, welcome to uh, Foothill. Uh, welcome for all you online uh, joining us this morning. Um, <clears throat> yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's excited. That's an excited child. <laughs> for those of you that um. Uh, I want to uh, help support the ministry and the work here. Um, we have a box in the back for offering and also uh, you can go online and at uh, foothillcommunitychurch.org and there's a little donate button right there and just press that and it kind of walk you through the whole process. So um, just want to encourage you to do that um, to uh, be a part of what we're doing here and and um, I know for the uh, first for the prayer focus is Denny. And I think she's still off of her foot from uh, what I understand. Um, Nick, do you know anything more about Denny? Because no. I know that so she hurt her foot. She fell while she was in a park. She had to go to the hospital. I know that Lydia was picking her up and seeing her. and so. Um, but right now I know that she's still at home. And so we'll lift her up. Uh, I went out last night with uh, Solomon, and uh, so got to see him. And him and uh, Magali are are in their first year of marriage, with uh, two of his kids and two of her kids. And so it's uh, it's uh, interesting uh, time for them. And so they they could use our prayers right now. Um, <clears throat> As they are walking through this first year of of kind of of learning the ebbs and flows of a marriage relationship, and they both want to work on it, so they're uh, they're uh, in a good place at least to say we know that God is the answer, and so they're they're looking to Him. So, but they're they're uh, in that first year, and I think they have to find a new place to live too. Um, so we need to pray for for that. Ah. Um, huh. I would like to pray for my father-in-law, um, John. He is uh, 94 years old, been living with us since uh, uh, January. Um, and I'm taking him back to Mexico because he wants to go down to Mexico, to his house in Mexico uh, next Sunday. So he wants to go down there and because he wants to look at the ocean again and he wants to uh, be down there. And so I'm going to go down there and set him up. And um, Lord willing have uh, still, I mean, he still gets around. He's still able to do things, but he's just, I mean, he's been holed up in our house for these last seven months, eight months, whatever. But I want to pray that one, his health would continue to remain and that even while I'm down there, that one he would uh, be healthy and uh, he would um, be able to come back because he's supposed to come back again then. Next year to our house, but he goes down there and he lives usually all winter long uh, in in Mexico because he has a house down there. And so he has friends and stuff that are down there that always check on him. And so and we, we keep in communication with him uh, continuously also. Um, is there I know that Shaton, um, you have surgery this week, Monday, Monday. Yes. Monday. So it hasn't been healed yet. <laughs> right, right. Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> that's that's Sergius tomorrow, Monday, Monday. Uh, Monday, Monday. Right, John.
0: Yes, Jen. I back and forth with Zork, uh, the other night he asked for prayer for Armenia and he has family, extended family that's there in the middle of all that mess. So he asked for
1: protection for his family. Okay. Yeah, he, he has... Th- the thing is, I mean, he has family living in Armenia. He has family living in Iran. Yeah. yeah. So... That's just, he's got family in just very bad places right now, so. Can we pray for Paul? Yes, please. How's he doing? Um, he's okay.
0: He can do better.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, <clears throat> let's, would you just join me in prayer? Let's just go before a king. Father, uh, Lord, again, um, it's your breath in our lungs, God, that, uh, that allows us to be alive, to experience new days with you, to even come before your holy presence, God, with uh, minds that just consider that you are real, you're here, God, and you love your people and you want the absolute very, very best for us. So, Father, as we come because you sent your son Jesus to make a way. And it's by his blood that we do. We come before your presence. God, lift up not only these petitions that we're going to lift before you, but, God, all so many other things that are going on in our lives that you know about, that you're working in, that you're doing things, God, and how you're moving. That, uh, Lord, sometimes we don't even... uh, uh, acknowledge just uh, your presence or your working within circumstances, relationships, situations, God, that are happening all around us. But yet, God, you are working. And so this morning, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, God, for doing all those things. Father, we lift up Denny to you. And God, we just pray for continued strength, continued healing, God, that you would uh, uh, just cause that healing just in her leg or hip. God, to get better, that she'd come back and join us soon. I pray. I know that regardless of wherever she's at, she's sharing your love and your truth and your heart with people. God, it's just that's just what she does. She just wants people to know you. Lord, I want to lift up uh, Solomon and... Um, Magali to you and pray for your grace upon them. God, I pray that even during this uh, uh, first year of marriage, that God, you would pour your grace upon their home. God, give them both wisdom and uh, just your heart to make choices that honor you, honor each other. And Father, I pray, I know that they need to find a new place. I pray that you would uh, find them one quickly that would not be too far away from where they are located right now, but would be a great place for them to uh, grow in their relationship and grow in their uh, uh, lives together, God, in serving you. Father, we just uh, thank you that they've both been healthy, and uh, thank you, God, for the kids. pray the kids would uh, see your love working through them. And just uh, really be drawn to you. Lord, uh, I want to lift up my father-in-law to you. God, even as we get ready to take him back home, I pray for your grace. God, uh, if that's not your call, if that's not really what you want us to do uh, for his sake, Lord, I pray that you would just um, give us wisdom and help us to uh, make wise decisions. And even for him to see it's not the right thing. But God, if it, if you're the one that holds all of our lives in your hand. And our days are numbered. Father, um, I pray that uh, He, we might make it down there safely. He'd be blessed, God. He'd have a good winter. And uh, Father, he would be able to reconnect with a lot of people who he knows and loves down there. And I just pray for his safety and for his health and his well-being. Lord, for Shaton, for surgery on Monday, God, pray for uh, wisdom. Pray grant her grace. Help her not to Walk in fear, but God, to uh, walk in confidence that you are holding her up, God, your hands. God, uh, have her and uh, that, Lord, you are going to uh, give the doctors wisdom, give them guidance as they extract that tooth. And I pray that the the healing would happen quickly for her and uh, that, Lord, she would just sense your very presence. Uh, even uh, as she prepares for uh, that surgery. And she'll be able to just give you honor and glory, God, uh, as she walks through it. Lord, I lift up John to you and his family. Pray for your grace on them and your strength. Uh, just continue to work in and through their lives. Father, For uh, I pray for Zorik, God. I know that he's concerned about a great many things, and he always It's concerned about things that are happening in this world. And Lord, the nations of the world, you say, are just a drop in a bucket to you. But Father, I pray for his family in Armenia, Lord, also in Iran. God, you would keep them safe. I pray for your grace, your hedge of protection about them. God, that would stop anything that the enemy might want to do to harm or to bring a uh, just hurt to to just his family there. And I pray that they would be lights, God, in a very, very dark, dark place. Lord, we lift up Paul to you, too. And I pray great grace upon him. I pray, Father, if there's uh, things that he needs to do, God, to improve his health. Father, give him wisdom. Help give him the grace just to do those things that uh, he might not only sense you, but God sense your strength working in and through him. Encouraging him, God, to, uh, to just be better, not only for himself, for his bride, but also for his kids and his grandchildren. Father, I pray you would uh, uh, just uh, encourage him today, even uh, as he's at home. Encourage him with your spirit, God, and just uh, let him sense your very, very presence in and around him. Lord, and thanks for your word, God, which is true. And even as we look at it today, I pray that you would um, cause us just to say, Lord, how have we uh, uh, been uh, doing this? How have we failed? And that you might teach us your ways, O oh God, that may, we might walk in your truth and fear your name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the uh, book of Exodus. We are going through a series called uh, Lessons in the Wilderness, and, uh, we, and we've kind of taken a little hiatus um, as we've gone through the uh, Ten Commandments. And so today we're on Commandment number eight. Commandment number eight: Don't take other people's stuff. All right. <clears throat> you know, uh, sometimes I get I get I get a kick out of uh, looking up words in the. Uh, uh, in the uh, theorists uh, of just, of, of, of how just biblical words and how they are, are uh, translated or how many different ways that a word can be stated. And when I looked up the word and the verb to steal, I was not disappointed. To steal, <clears throat> it means, uh, and it can be among other things, to thieve, To rob, to purloin, to pilfer, to filch, to lift, to prig, to bag, to nim, to crib, to cabbage, to palm, to covey away, carry off, abduct, make off with, walk off with, run off with, spirit away, seize, plunder, pillage, rifle, sack, loot, ransack, spoil, uh, strip, sweep, gut, Uh, Forage, pirate, maraud, swindle, uh, peculate, embezzle, sponge, mullet, rook, bilk, pluck, pigeon, to skin, to fleece, to diddle, to defraud. (laughs) Now there are nicer ways to put it, of course. You know, you you can simply uh, abstract something or you can uh, appropriate something or... Or appropriate it under false pretenses, you know, or um, or you can put a positive spin on it by say I'm just living by one's wits, or um, you can uh, relegate it to a, a sleight of hand or sticky fingers or or being light fingered or. Or the thing that I, I, I look in dictionaries and the theorists to, to find out if it, the, the, the term that I, I learned when I was very young is, is having the five-finger discount. Remember that one? <clears throat> now, I'm not sure, but I, I speculate that because there are so many different ways, so many cute synonyms to this word, it's because people don't take it very serious. They just don't take it very serious, but God has seemed to put it in the top 10, all right? in the Ten Commandments and it's actually one of the sins that will keep people from the kingdom of heaven. right? First Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 10, nine and 10 it says, "Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived." Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. God has warned us in the book of Revelation, he says this "Is one of the characteristics of the ungodly, uh, that they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality. Or their thefts. Something that will happen in the last days. <clears throat> there, are ever, there are over 10 million acts of thievery and robbery in the United States alone every year. 10 million. And the thing is that, that um, when you're talking about shoplifters... And people like that, they find out that only 10% of all shoplifters come from low incomes. 70% of middle class and 20% of shoplifters are very wealthy. You know? <clears throat> 10 million acts a year. So the crime statistics and the public cost have got to be astronomical. Just astronomical. Um, what I want to do today I want to zero in not so much on all the thievery that's out there and the people that steal but really how we as Christians participate in this right because I mean we look out there we see the looting we see the stealing we see the robbing we see the riots that go on at times we say oh how horrible for them but what do we say about ourselves what do we say about ourselves? You know, and how we violate this commandment. <clears throat> the thing is, in the, in the Old Testament, stealing, and then there's all kinds of scripture we could look at, and, and um, uh, in the book of Exodus, it goes through a lot of different things that happen to a person who steals something, how they have to repay, what they have to do, be it if they steal livestock, if they steal um, uh, somebody else's stuff. Just all, all of that. And we could walk through that. Just a ton of different scriptures. But mostly, when we steal, it's not just against an individual. It's really against society. It's really against society, and it's against the whole community. And uh, uh, statistics that I'm going to kind of quote today are, are that we'll look at are, are basically a socially common. Forms of stealing in society. The IRS estimates that $20 billion a year is unpaid in taxes because of unreported income. I'm told that $40 billion a year is stolen from employers, not by shoplifters, but by employees. By employees. <clears throat> Ten times more is stolen, stolen from American businesses by the employees than by people out on the streets. <clears throat> it is stolen by lying about hours, by making long distance call on company time and with company charges, by taking supplies, by stealing goods from the company, by abusing expense accounts and a whole list of other ways. And I looked this up, and it, it's hard to believe that they say that over $350 billion is stolen from companies because of people falsifying they're sick, you know, that they are really sick uh, when they're really not, and saying that they are. Or uh, <clears throat> just dishonesty amidst employees. All of this impacts. The whole community. Employers say that prices of goods are 15% more than they need to be because of thievery. And God has this commandment, this eighth commandment of thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. Stealing is a violation of the law, of God's law. Stealing is a violation of God's law. Okay? It really is. Any type of stealing. And like I say, we're gonna basically focus on Christians and how we participate in this act. The, there, there are correct ways of, um, of of getting gain. God has authorized to primary methods in which people can legitimately um, uh, earn and gain wealth in their lives. And when we do it these two, two ways, and one we are doing it God's way, can uh, uh, gain income, gain wealth in their lives is as a reward for work. Contrary to popular belief, Working is not a curse. Right? Working has been ordained by God where we can obtain resources to acquire other things and just to function in this world. In fact, work really glorifies God. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10 it says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who's unwilling to work, they shouldn't eat. God's will is that we obtain things in life, the things we need by la- the labor of our hands or our heads. So that's the first way, the reward for our work. The second way is by a reception of a gift, by the reception of a gift, all right? Another legitimate way of increasing your wealth is, is um, by the generosity of another. You might be it might be an inheritance, it might be a gift, Um, You might be the beneficiary of an insurance policy or a will. All these things, and there's nothing wrong with receiving things from others. And oftentimes, that's how God might choose to bless some of us in this world, is by the generosity and the gift of another. Those are the two ways that God has ordained that one, (coughs) wealth should come in our lives. Now, stealing in our everyday life. Stealing, it just happens every day. And we're going to look at five ways, five ways that I believe that one is issues for us, for people that we know in our lives. The first way is stealing is, is cheating in school. Cheating in school. I bet you didn't think that one was one. Cheating in school. All right. Most of us say, well, we're not in school. Some of our kids are. Some of our kids are. But we're talking not about stealing what somebody has, but stealing somebody else's ideas. And that can even happen in a workplace. Stealing somebody else's ideas and basically for your own gain. Alright? Intellectual property is I think what they call it. Is that right? Intellectual property. Stealing somebody's intellectual property. You know? And that's a sin, because what you're doing, you're actually stealing what somebody created in the image of God has worked hard to get themselves and to make. And people do it in school, people do it uh, in work, and it defrauds uh, not only classmates, it defrauds other employees because we do it to basically help ourselves. There was a poll done uh, with students, and many of them from religious schools, and they say that they cheat from somebody else's stuff. So if you cheat, borrowing somebody else's stuff for your own gain, you're breaking the Eighth Commandment. The second way that we... Uh, uh, break the eighth commandment is by defrauding others in business, stealing in business, uh, defrauds others. It destroys our witness, um, and we can do it a lot of ways. We can do it by not paying our bills, in business. By um, by dealing wrongly with employees or clients, by having a, a bad business dealings and just being known as a shady person, all right, um, <clears throat> and having unethical business practices. There was a story of, story of uh, Richard uh, Halverson, who was the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and he was meeting with a Christian businessman that owned a, a number of uh, car lots in Virginia and Maryland. And and the man came up to him and said, you know, Dr. Halverson, you know, I want to be a witness for Christ. So what I want to do, I want to uh, um, buy a bunch of Bibles. I want to give them to my employees and give them to everybody that walks on my lot. Well, this guy was kind of known as being a shady uh, business dealer. Uh, He was a used car salesman. And so uh, Dr. Halverson had the uh, guts just to say, you know what? Instead of buying Bibles for everybody, why don't you just treat your employees better? Why don't you have better ethical practices with your clients? He said that would be a better witness for Jesus than buying a bunch of Bibles. Even though buying a bunch of Bibles is a good thing. But when we defraud others in business, we are breaking the Eighth Commandment. Number three, gambling. Gambling is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Gambling always, not sometimes, always hurts somebody. All right? It hurts ourselves if we lose. It hurts somebody else if we win. Gambling is a not win-win. Gambling is win-lose. Somebody has to lose for you to win. Right? All the time all the time, right? <clears throat> Thousands have to lose for one person to win. I didn't like this. <laughs> I just want to tell you. I just want to go on record. I didn't like this one when I, when I saw it and I thought, oh, it's right. It is so right. Gambling always hurts ourselves and it hurts our neighbors. Some people say that stock market, you know, being in the stock market is like gambling. It's not. Totally different. Totally different. Being in the stock, if you're in the stock market and, and you have a stock that goes up, usually everybody wins. Everybody wins. Gambling is a redistribution of wealth. Conservatives hate a redistribution of wealth when it's done by the government. But they don't mind it when it's done by gambling. All right? Gambling preys on the poor and harms those that can least afford it. Gambling feeds this desire for wealth without work. It breaks the regular pattern of work, of of providence, and the needs set forth in the Bible. Where the Bible says, here's the principle. You work, God provides, your needs are met. Gambling replaces work, providence, and needs with risk, fate, or chance, and riches. You risk something depending totally on fate or chance, and the odds that the thickest numbskull would say, That's stupid. That ain't going to work. And you do it all for what? For needs? No, you do it for riches. You do it all for riches. You know, and so gambling stokes this desire inside of us and replaces work and providence and need with risk, fate, and riches. Gambling breaks the eighth commandment. The fourth area application of this is when we take advantage of the poor. Taking advantage of the poor, how do you treat your domestic help if you have domestic help? How do you treat low income people that you might employ? Do you treat them right? Do you pay them fair wage? Do you think about their needs? Do you pitch in when they have needs? You care for them when they're sick. Do you love your neighbor as yourself even if they're poor? Especially. Especially if they're poor. The last area is Christian giving. Christian giving. Will a man rob God? Yes, by tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3 says, We rob God when we are not faithful in our giving. There's a story of a guy who's a pastor, and he tells it about a lady who dug into her freezer, and she pulled out a turkey that had been there for 23 years. 23 years. She called up Butterball Turkey. She called up the hotline. She says, She wants to know whether this turkey is still edible or not if it's been in the freezer for 23 years. Well, the guy in the hotline, he says, well, you know, if the freezer's been at 20, at zero degrees for 23 years, yes, it was safe and edible. But it'll taste like cardboard. He says, throw it away. Her response was good. That's what I thought. We'll give it to the church. Does God get our leftovers? Is that what he gets? Some people, you know, and I know we've talked about this before, and it's like, okay, but tithing and, and, and all that stuff, that was in the Old Testament. You're right. You're right, it was. Tithing was, and, and the Old Testament saints, they gave a tenth of all that they had to God. We're in the New Testament. We have greater freedom. Should we not give more? Just a question. So, today, if we're totally honest, how many of us have broken the Eighth Commandment? I don't want to see hands. Do not want to see hands. (laughs) Okay. We've broken the Eighth Commandment. We have. All right? And like I said, when we've gone through these the, the Ten Commandments, I mean... Every one of them, I, I, every one of them, I just go, "Oh gosh, Lord, yes, that's me. I'm guilty again. That's why we just need Jesus. We need a Savior. That's why God sent Jesus. because we're all guilty. We are all guilty of basically violating God's law, God's law. So what do we do? What are the steps to integrity that we need to make? Well, First of all, if you find out that one, you have cheated somebody or you have stolen something from somebody, you need to make restitution when it's possible. You need to make restitution when it's possible. If I've cheated anyone, Zacchaeus said, I will pay him back four times as much. I've told you the story that one, one day when I was sitting out, I was sitting out and just uh, uh, reading, preparing for a message. I was sitting there and I I I sensed God speaking so clearly to me, you know, and and I was, and and God said, Jim, you're a thief. And I said, whoa, whoa, God, no, no, I I mean, I, 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 what, what do you mean? And I remember that God began to slowly but surely go through my life and remind me of all the times that I had stolen from stores, stolen, uh, uh, just, The things that I had just had taken. Either when I worked for them or when I was just walking through them and I felt like I needed something and I didn't want to pay for it. And I remember God said, go make restitution. And I remember I had had this list of about 20 different places that I needed to go. And I went back. Some of them I just sent money to. Some of them were totally out of business. But I remember going back and I just just to do it, just just to try to make restitution because I felt like I need to get rid of this because I need a clear conscience. Zacchaeus put his money where his mouth was and he used this opportunity as a witness. There was a a guy who ripped off the IRS and he sent uh, $500 in bills and a P.S., It says, if I still feel guilty, I'll send you the rest later. (laughs) So, make restitution where, if possible. If, If all of a sudden you realize I've stolen something, if you borrowed something from somebody and it's still in your garage, you've stolen it. Right? And it's not like my kids that say, Dad, whatever's yours is mine, right? Because <laughs> it's gonna be mine eventually. I'm just taking I'm just appropriating it before the time. Alright? So it's not, it's not true. If you're a child or whatever, if if you have stuff from somebody else that is theirs, you have stolen it. You need to return it. So make restitution wherever possible. Second, give God my full tithe. Malachi is the only place where God says. Test me in this. Test me. If you give me your tithe, see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing on you that you cannot handle. That's the only place. God says, test me. Try me. You know, I've been pastoring long enough different churches to where, all, I mean, you just walk through it with with people. Some people, brand new Christians, they come at tithe. Are you kidding? Give God 10. Pr- of what? No way. You know? And eventually they start giving God like a half a percent. Then they give him one percent. And then they work up to three or four percent. Then eventually they get up there and they go, I can still live and I'm still fine. I'm not dying. I'm not. uh, Reality. Reality check. Everything we have is God's. Everything. Everything we have. Our ability to work is all from God. The mind he gave us. The jobs he's given us. Everything is from him. It all belongs to him. We're just stewards. He says honor him. Honor him. And if God is talking to you today. Don't delay. Last. Make a living honestly. Make a living honestly. The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing and do an honest day work with his hands. And it goes on to say that he might provide for others who have needs. God is our boss. God is our boss. <clears throat> At Valley Forge in the winter of 1777 to 1778, George Washington and his troops were in an utterly desperate straits. He appealed to the governor of Pennsylvania for help, Jacob De Haven, a staunch believer in the revolutionary cause, lived near Valley Forge and hearing of Washington's appeal, he loaned him $50,000 in gold and $400,000 in supplies. This was during the Revolutionary War time. That's a punch. All right? The army survived that winter, but De Haven was never repaid. Never repaid. Now his descendants are trying to collect from the US government. They figure with interest and compounded at, at 6% daily that the US government owes them approximately $141 billion. In one sense, all the money in the world could never repay what DeHaven did. In another sense, uh, he saved the cause of freedom for all America because of what he did. There's a never, another debt that one none of us can ever repay. Right? And that's the price that Jesus paid to give us liberty. To be able to honor him. God calls his people. He says, don't take other people's stuff. Don't steal. And if you're guilty of stealing, make restitution when you can. Let's pray. Father, Lord, even as I kind of go through this little list, I know it's, it's not exhaustive by any means because Lord there's so many areas out there that thievery takes place but Lord whenever it impacts us God we pray by your spirit convict us cause us to respond to you and do the right thing help us to honor you with our lives with all that we have Not to defraud anybody else, not to even defraud you. And by your grace, by your strength, God, we will be living witnesses of who you are. In Jesus' name.